This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. My name is Fred Stella, president of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Most people living in West Michigan have little or no experience with the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, or ISKCON. However, through TV, film, the news, and other media, most people are at least slightly familiar with the folks known as the Hare Krishnas. If you've ever spent time in a major metropolitan area where an ISKCON temple or ashram was located, you most certainly would have seen them chanting in public parks, perhaps distributing literature at airports, or maybe you took advantage of their traditional Sunday evening service that is followed by a grand Indian feast. The Hare Krishna sect has never been a stranger to controversy. From the mid-60s, when its founder, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, arrived on these shores, transforming a number of disenfranchised youth of the love generation into Hindu monastics and ashram residents, to the development of children's schools where accusations of abuse evolved into large settlements. ISKCON was labeled a cult for many of those early years. But more recently, the organization has settled quite comfortably in the patchwork of American religions, due in part to a large influx of Indian Hindus here in this country, and to a change of leadership within the society. It looks like they're going to be around for a long, long time. In these next couple of weeks, we'll be taking a look at this fascinating movement, both here in the U.S. and in other countries as well. As a matter of fact, this week, we'll be speaking to Srivas Das, who has a major work in Ghana. Let me tell you a little bit about this gentleman. He was born and raised in Ghana. Uh, his education is in the medical sciences. He's been a part of the Hare Krishna movement since 1981, and he is the regional secretary for Ghana, and he also works in other African countries. So here at uh, WGVU and Common Threads, we welcome Srivas Das. Srivas, hello. Yeah, hello. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're more than happy. your program. Yes, and you're speaking to us uh, from Atlanta today. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Srivas, let's talk a little bit about uh, your association with ISKCON. Now, first of all, you are a black African, and you were raised, was it in the Christian tradition or, or a, a, a native tradition? Yeah, uh, my parents were traditional worshippers in Africa, both father and mother. Uh, but uh, I attended a Catholic school. Okay, so, so you... Uh, as a matter of association, I can say I was converted to become a Catholic. Mm -hmm. But uh, along the line, I had some more questions about life that my Catholic preceptors could not answer. I had certain questions that bothered my mind. And when I put them before the priest, they felt those questions were too much for a young boy of, of my age. I so I felt I had to search out for more knowledge about where we have come from, why we are in this world, and where we are going from here. 
So this led me into searching, looking for certain spiritual organizations that talked about life after death and higher experiences. And uh, I would also like to mention that uh, as a kid, I had certain experiences. That was actually the beginning of my spiritual journey. I had the ability to see this embodied being. I had an experience one or two times. Uh, people who had left their bodies, who had died, I saw their body, I saw their soul or their spirit uh, leaving the village. And uh, I, when I mentioned it to my father, he understood that these were disembodied beings. So it gave me the faith that life does not end with death, that life goes on after death. So as I grew up, I was trying to find out where are those people going to? Of course, in the first place, where do we come from to live in this body, on this earth? And from here, where do we go? And the final experience that I had, that kind of... Um, um, motivated or increased my desire to know more is when I lost my own mother. When I lost my mother, I was like her pet. And so before my mother left, I heard my, my mother's voice. She was, when she was sick, she was taken to her father's house about a two, two or three kilometers away from my father's place. But at the moment she was about to leave her body, I heard her calling me because I was her pet child. And I, and I understood that my mother was about to leave the world, and that's why she was calling me. So when she called and I did not respond, then I heard a voice saying, I am going. Please take care of yourself. So even at a funeral where, where, where everybody was crying and shedding tears, I did not shed a single tear because I understood that my mother had gone somewhere else. She was not dead. So all of these things, helped me to understand that life does not end with death. So as I grew up, I became interested in knowing where we have come from, why we are here, and where we are going from here. But now, I would say that just about all religions give answers to uh, what happens when people die, and it gives comfort, it, it uh, understands that the soul is immortal. Uh, pretty much all of them say that. Uh, what led you into this uh, Vaishnav movement? Yes. Even though all religions talk about the afterlife, but things are not so clearly defined. For instance, um, in the Catholic faith, it is believed that, that when you die, you either go to heaven, hell, or purgatory. For those who are pious enough, they go to heaven, those who are very impious, they go to hell forever. And those who are in between, they go to purgatory for some kind of rectification. So, um, the questions I used to have was that, uh, if hell is an eternal damnation, you go there forever and ever, then I have doubts whether God is actually merciful. Because even a human being, if your son does something wrong, you don't punish him forever if the son is ready to change. So the idea of an, a, a hell life eternal, eternal damnation in hell, it never went well with me. 
So I was trying to find out what is this hell all about? How long can one stay there? For instance, if I stole a matches or I stole a piece of bread and somebody stole a car and then we're all sent to hell. I mean, I think it's unjust. For somebody stealing just a piece of bread and he goes to the same hell that somebody has stolen a million dollars, then I think it's not just. So these are some of the things that led me into finding out more about hell, about heaven, about the kingdom of God, and about life hereafter. Your, um, your background is in laboratory sciences. You were studying to be a doctor at one time, correct? Yes. And uh, what pulled you out of that? Because you, you did not finish your, your medical program, right? Yeah, that was true. Uh, first, I did the um, uh, diploma in uh, medical laboratory sciences to great as a foundation for me to do my medicine. And I actually got a scholarship to study in Moscow in, sci- in, in medicine. And that was the same year I came across the Hare Krishna. And when I met this Bhakti Tita Swami Maharaj, and uh, he asked me what my program was, and I told him, he said, my dear sir, uh, there are so many doctors in this world, but all that they are doing is trying to save the jacket, try to save the coat of the drowning man. So why do you want to join a team of people who are just saving the, the coats of drowning people? If somebody is drowning in the ocean, and you, only, uh, you are able to save his coat, you haven't done much because the fellow still drowns all the same. So therefore, he wanted me to really save the actual person, the soul, the spirit. Just like if there is a bird in a golden cage, and the cage is polished day in and day out, and the bird in the cage is very hungry, you are doing no service to that bird. So therefore, when I heard all of these things from His Holiness, Bhattachita Swami, I felt touched. That yes, if you really want to do good for humanity, then you must do something that will save them once and for all. Not some temporary measure, not some superficial um, uh, uh, service, but something that goes to the core of the source of life, which is the soul linking with God. So when I was, I was convinced that this is the best thing to do, and so I gave up my profession and I joined the Hare Krishna movement. Let's talk about the movement, uh, where it is, or, well, yeah, where it is, but uh, where it came from, and it certainly has gone through several challenging years. Yeah. What do you think the, the main challenges were, the problems in the early years with the devotees and, and all of the controversy that was stirred up? Yeah, uh, definitely, because it's uh, something we can say, something new, um, the Indian or Vedic culture is not much known in the West. Of course, in Africa, there's not much of a difference. African traditional religion has so many common factors or denominators with the uh, uh, Vedic uh, tradition. We believe in, in the worship of ancestors. We believe in the worship of demigods. We believe in reincarnation. We believe in the heavens. We believe in so many things that the Vedic philosophy proposes. The only difference may be the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that much we don't know. But um, the, the basic tenets of the philosophy of the Vedic literatures is common in Africa to some degree. So, um, but then the cultural aspect, you know, having to wear the dhoti, the Indian dress, have a shaved head, and then all the, the marks, the tilak marks, 
it is like a cultural shock to many people. And so when people see an African or even a Westerner in those dresses, they think maybe you've gone crazy. Maybe you have lost your way. Maybe you don't know what you are doing in life. So um, these were the initial difficulties that Shri Prabhupada experienced in America and the devotees who went elsewhere in the world except India. They also had the same problem because it was like a cultural uh, change and people were, you know, people resist to change. But then, as time goes on, people begin to understand the philosophy and practice of the Hare Krishna people and they see that these people are very, very sincere about worshipping God. They see that these people are actually um, um, encouraging us to go deeper and deeper into our various religious faiths. In fact, if you are a Christian and you want to go deeper into the philosophy of the teachings of Jesus, go closer to Hare Krishna. If you are a Muslim and you want to understand the actual teachings of Muhammad, peace be unto him, then come closer to the Hare Krishna and you will see that the teachings of the Hare Krishna movement are universal. They include the teachings of Jesus, they include the teachings of Muhammad, they include the teachings of all the previous teachers who have come and gone. So we are not teaching a non-sectarian uh, philosophy. We are teaching a universal philosophy that affects everyone. So in the beginning, there's always a shock because the dressing, the worship, and certain things, you know, external rituals may look very strange. But when one comes very close and begins to study, especially read the books, you will realize that this is what you have been looking for the whole of your life. So what do you say to those people who would uh, claim that the ISKCON is a cult? Yeah, they have their right of opinion. Everybody has a right of his, to his opinion. Um, anything that happens in this world, you always have the uh, pros and the cons. You always have the skeptics and the optimists. You always have these kind of people. Uh, this one will say that and that one will say that. But I always remember Prabhupada saying that um, uh, if you are doing the right thing, don't worry about what people say. If you want to listen to criticism, you, would, you may abandon a very, very good cause. So therefore, um, um, we are going on uh, with our preaching, with our chanting, with our practices, and we know for sure that it is a very good process. And I will want to testify, before I became a devotee, I used to smoke. I used to drink. I used to run around with all the girls that come my way. I never saw a beautiful uh, uh, face in a dress, in a skirt, and I wouldn't look in that direction. But then when I began to chant the Hare Krishna mantra, and I began to read the philosophy of the Krishna movement, and I began to practice the teachings of Krishna consciousness, I lost taste in all these things. I gave up my smoking, I gave up my drinking, I gave up running after women, and I have become very peaceful. That is the essence of religion, to transform your life. If you are practicing religion and you cannot give up sin, then that religion is useless. What is the use of going to school when you cannot graduate? What is the use of engaging yourself in a process that cannot help you? So it is a very practical process. If you take to the chanting, you follow the process, you will see that you lose taste for lower tendencies and you develop a taste for higher things. So this is the proof that this Krishna consciousness is universal. It's applicable in every situation. I'm from Africa. I don't come from India. But when I heard the philosophy, I read it, I started practicing, I saw the result. So I will urge all my, the audience that the taste of the puddy is in the eating. Uh, if you just listen without practicing, you may not know what we are, we are talking about. 
But if you put your hand into the dish and take a bit of the food and put it on your tongue, then only you can determine whether it is tasty or not tasty. So please, uh, everyone can try it and see how good it is. You mentioned that uh, if people have established religions, that they're members, if they're Christian, Muslim, I'm, I'm sure you, you you could say Jewish, you could say any number of religions, you encourage them that if they, if they read the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, that they may become closer to their own faiths. Yes. But, but how would you... Uh, rectif- uh, reconcile the the uh, various uh, doctrines and dogmas that are in cl- complete opposition. For instance, reincarnation uh, versus physical resurrection versus uh, the, you know the supremacy of Jesus or the supremacy of the uh, teachings of Muhammad. I mean, they they are different. Yes, that is true. Uh, you see, religion has two aspects. We have the esoteric aspect of religion and the exoteric aspect of religion. Exoteric means outside, external. When it comes to the external aspect of religion, the uh, architectural designs of the buildings, the worship, the ceremonies, the rituals, and all that, uh, even the scriptures, there may be a lot of differences. But when we come to the esoteric aspect of religion, that is a spiritual basis. Religion means one. Re means again Legio means to link. So religion has these roots either from Latin or from Greek or whatsoever. And religio means to link. So religion means to link with God. So so, uh, whether it's Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hare Krishna, the purpose of religion is to link with God. And you cannot link with God without loving God. So um, that is why Christ mentions his teaching. The love not this world or the things of this world. For anyone who loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. So therefore, uh, religion means to love God. Whether it is from the uh, Islamic perspective, or whether it's from the Christian perspective, or it's from the Hare Krishna perspective, the essence of religion is to love God. And so that religion that teaches you how to love God, that is a true religion. That religion that teaches you how to love matter, that is, we consider it, uh, you know, a cheating religion. Because the essence of religion is to love God. And we see Christ talked about it. We saw Muhammad talked about it. And you saw Krishna talked about it. All the great teachers who have come and gone, they talk about love of God. So, um, we are just telling people that um, we, be you a Christian, a Muslim, whatsoever, the important thing is to love God. And that is a real religion. All the external things, the external manifestations of religions are just kind of side attraction and they actually keep us here and because of those external things we are fighting religions fighting against another religion and so on and so forth but you'll be surprised that in the spiritual world jesus christ muhammad buddha and all the rest of them are together happily but we human beings on this earth based on this external religion we are fighting here and dissatisfying god actually because religion means to love god and if we are really loving God, then we can love our neighbor as well, because we are all part and parcel of the same supreme God. God is one. Whether you call him Allah, Jehovah, Krishna, this God is one. There are no two gods, there are no three gods, just like the sun. The sun, there's only one sun in this universe, and it's shining over the heads of everybody in this world. Whether you are in America, whether you are in, in Ghana, whether you are in, in Switzerland, the same sun shines on the head of all people. In the same way, God is one. 
Call him Allah, call him Jehovah, call him Krishna. He's the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he, all that he needs from us is our love. And if we can love him, then we can go back to him. If you don't love God, you cannot go to his kingdom. God doesn't entertain those who don't love him. So um, we are promoting the love of God, and we're encouraging all other religions to do the same. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. I'm Fred Stella, and we're talking to Srivasadas about the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Um, ISKCON is a strain of a, a, a school of Hinduism called Vaishnavism, correct? Srivas? Yeah, yeah, I'm on the line. Okay. Uh, I said that uh, uh, ISKCON, the, the society that you're a member of, is a strain of uh, what is called Vaishnavism, correct? Yes, Vaishnavism. Could you explain what Vaishnavism is? Yeah, when we say Vaishnavanism, we are simply meaning the, the worshippers of uh, the followers of Vishnu. Vishnu is another name of Krishna. Uh, God has so many names. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the latest incarnation of Krishna, uh, gave us some eight prayers. And one of the prayers he says, uh, if, I can, if I'm permitted to quote Sanskrit a little bit, it says, Nam Karibahuda Ninja Sarvasati, which means that God has unlimited names. You cannot count the names of God. In every language, there's the name of God. In every tradition, there's the name of God. But all these names have been, have been given so much energy. God has infused the spiritual energy in these names. And if you just call these names, you will develop love for me. So um, 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 we are trying to uh, 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 propagate the names of God, the chanting of the names of God, and uh, by doing this, one can experience the purification of mind, one can experience the purification of the heart, one can experience a transcendental feeling within him, and one can begin to see that there is something higher than this gross existence that everybody is fighting for. Uh, Srivas, we only have about five minutes left, and I want to take uh, most of that with you talking about this uh, very worthwhile project you have in Ghana. What are you doing there? Yeah, in Ghana, we are trying um, to uh, promote well-being, the well-being of the people in which, the community in which we live. Because we also understand, they say a hungry man is an angry man. We understand that when somebody is, his material needs are not taken care of, uh, sometimes uh, people don't have time for spiritual life. So what we are trying to do in Ghana is that uh, we, are, we are going to some kind of a social welfare activity that can take, the, take care of the needs of the communities in which we live. So we are providing free education, school for the children of the community as a way of enhancing their future progress. Because if you feed a man, you feed him for a day. But if you educate a man, you feed him for a lifetime. So we are trying to feed these people for a lifetime by giving them education because in Africa, in Ghana, many people are poor and they cannot, uh, you know, sponsor their children for a good education. So we are trying to assist them in that area. Uh, secondly, we also know that a lot of people are poor and there are a lot of diseases in Ghana or in Africa for that matter. And so we want to provide some health facility for them, a free medical center where those who are less privileged, they could come to a medical center and get free medical treatment. We're also providing skills, vocational skills, 
for young people who have completed schools, like girls, boys, and they have nothing to do because they couldn't make it to university or some higher ed educational institution. So we can give them some skills, empower them to become self-sufficient. They can maintain themselves, maintain their families, and this way they can live happily. We are also going into uh, uh, farming. We want to do organic farming because um, these days most of the crops we eat are highly chemi chemicalized, and these things actually end up giving us diseases. So we are also tr uh, doing going into organic farming, and we are trying to promote this knowledge of organic farming that by you know producing wholesome food and eating wholesome food, you will be able to live a very happy life without much chemicals in your system. So this is what we are doing in Ghana, and we are trying to solicit some assistance. Whoever can assist us in any way, we will be very appreciative. Do you have uh, any website uh, that people may go to to learn more about your work there? Yeah, we are. This www.ghanaselfsufficiency.org. Uh, ghanaselfsufficiency.org. It is still in the process of being developed. Maybe it will take a, a week or so. It will be, be on the website, but it's been developed. Okay. Yeah. Well, well Srivastas, uh, we're out of time right now, but I want to thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you very much for allowing me to be on your program. I, I feel on it. Well, thank you. So anytime we're in the U.S., we we'll always want to be on your program. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. Thank you very much. I'm Fred Stella. Thank you so much for being with us here on Common Threads on WGVU. Join us next week. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. I'm Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Last week we began our conversation about the International Society of Krishna Consciousness, or ISKCON, with Srivas, whose most important work is in Ghana. This week we will discuss ISKCON in Grand Rapids. While still a small work, those who are involved are promising to keep quite active in continuing what started about 20 years ago. Most people are not aware of a presence of the Hare Krishna sect here, but a couple of decades back, local devotee 
Andy Bauman occasionally hosted Hare Krishna representatives who lectured, performed services, and served delicious Indian meals afterwards. With the advent of Sri Naraharidas moving into Grand Rapids, ISKCON is promising a more consistent presence with weekly services and area lectures. Today, Sri Naraharidas is in the studio with me. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about this gentleman. He's been living in Grand Rapids since the beginning of August of this year. He came to Grand Rapids due to job responsibilities. He works as an IT consultant and has been involved in the Hare Krishna Society since 1995. He came to the United States to pursue a master's program in the field of information systems. He studied at Drexel University, where he was awarded an honorary dean's fellowship for academic merit. By the way, Drexel is also ranked at the present moment as the number one school in the country for a program in IS. Uh, And he conducts programs out of his home. That's every Sunday from 5 to 8. That's in the evening. They discuss the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, perform devotional chants known as bhajans, and have a free vegetarian feast to all participants. And we'll tell you how to get a hold of uh, Narahari Dev Das in just a moment. Actually, closer to the end of the program. But right now, I would just like to welcome Narahari Dev Das to Thank our you program. Very much. Thank so, you, Fred. So how are you finding uh, Grand Rapids? Just a few uh, moments ago before we, we began uh, uh, talking, when you came into the studio, you, you noticed that you haven't seen the sun in a few days. That's correct. <laughs> is, is this something new to you? Have you always lived in sunnier places? Uh, yes. Uh, Philadelphia, where I've lived before in the United States, definitely sometimes it can go at the most like about a week or so. Um, it's mentioned in the scriptures, uh, especially Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna says that he's the light of the sun. And then uh, we see sometimes when, you know, when people don't see the sun for so many days, they become, you know, their moods change and, you know, not for the good. So when Krishna says in the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita that he's the light of the sun, we see why, you know, <laughs> That's having right. Krishna as the center is so important in our lives. Well, I'd love to uh, talk to you around February and see where your mood is okay. and see where the mood of uh, the moods of uh, other people you you might work with or know on any other <coughs> levels are because it can get a little dank around here. Well, um as long as one is uh, very fixed in one's uh Krishna consciousness, then Krishna protects his devotee. So, you came here uh, for professional reasons, you're brought in, you're a consultant for a local company. Yes. And my first question is this. You would like to provide a more consistent presence for ISKCON here in this area. That's correct. Point. But as a consultant, and, and I know a number of people in the Indian community, could you not be whisked out of here at any moment to a new project somewhere in Idaho or Miami? Um. I would not like to, uh, you know, think about what may be or may not be a possibility in the future, but my present uh, uh, relevant task is to help the community as much as possible during my presence here. Um, This uh, science of Krishna consciousness is one of the most important uh, and most sublime processes of self-realization. And then there are so many people out there who have who have been looking for some kind of alternative uh, and, uh, you know, helpful uh, ailments which they 
you know, are unable to find. And I wish to actually help the society by catering to those needs. So within, during my presence, as long as I am here, as long as Krishna wants me here, I want to render service. Were you given any timeline whatsoever? I mean, I can't believe that you'd be taking this task if you had any inkling that you would only be here for three months or four months. Did, when you were brought in, they give you any clue? Uh, yes, I was told it would be at least six to eight months, but then uh, with the current turn of events, it sounds like it's going to um, prolong for longer than that. Okay. And there are a lot of projects which I'm working on, so even if I finish one, pre- the present one I am, I would definitely be uh, switched on to another one or a new project that would start. Okay. I, I just know, again, through the uh, in- Indian community that number of people have been here, they've settled in, and then all of a sudden they their company tells them, okay, you're going here, you're going there, you're going back to India, and, <laughs> and it, it's frustrating uh, because you can't settle. Uh, uh, but, but this is the life you've chosen as uh, someone who works in IT, I would imagine. Uh, yes. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's challenging, and also at the same time it's rewarding. Uh, so the benefits definitely outweigh uh, the other uh, aspects of it so uh, because uh, you know everyone has a particular kind of choice they wish to you know give to their career so sure, this sure. Is something. And, and you're not married you have no family to be concerned about i know that a lot of indians when they come here that's one of the problems is you know all of a sudden pulling up stakes the, the kids have made friends they're doing well in their school and then but that is not a challenge you have to have right. to deal with uh you mentioned in the little bio that you that you uh, provided me that, uh, of course, being involved in computers, you are someone who appreciates science. And we spoke to Srivas last last week, and he, of course, studied in the medical fields. There's something about this particular uh, strain of spirituality, this Vaishnavism, this Krishna consciousness, that, that appeals to that scientific side of you what is that what is the scientific aspect yeah um it's very simple um just like we see in our practical everyday life um people as part of the community service uh, for example they build hospitals so um the hospitals are built to help people who have you know mental or physical problems but how can you <clears throat> stop the problem of birth? How can you stop the problem of death? Uh, how can you stop the problem of disease? And how can you stop the problem of old age? That, that information, that knowledge, that science that no one is teaching. For example, we see these hospitals, they provide service and they help people to overcome their immediate uh, problems they have. But what about the long run? We have so many different kinds of industries, so the cosmetic industry, we have the medical field. All these people, they're trying to overcome these problems, but the death rate is 100%. Even if they want to stop, the death rate of humanity is 100%. They cannot stop them from doing that. So we here are to present them knowledge with which they cannot have to suffer these threefold miseries. So that's my mission here. So how can you actually overcome these sufferings of birth, death, old age, and disease? 
And couldn't other religions also provide <clears throat> similar understanding, similar comfort, if you will? Well, what's the difference between the rest of what's going on and your particular Yes. Sect? This information that we present is as it is. It's coming down from a disciplic succession tracing back from Lord Sri Krishna 5,000 years ago. And uh, we have uh, the power of uh, the message is generally comes it's if it's if it's not changed from what it has uh, come from lord sri krishna then definitely uh, the message would hold value uh, unless uh, if there is any adulteration if there is any interpretation then the actual message we see uh, does not have any potency we see for example in the market today there are so many editions of the bhagavad gita hundreds and hundreds of editions but only one Gita is most widely read. One Gita we see is used as the standard textbook in many institutions, Bhagavad Gita as it is, written by Srila Prabhupada. So we see why that's uh, happening is because uh, um, preaching, uh, that how that can happen is because unless the actual message is delivered, it cannot really change the hearts of people. So, and we have uh, proof and result of that. So that is why we are here to present the message as it is coming down from Lord Sri Krishna through the disciplic succession. So is uh, Prabhupada, and by the way, he is the, the guru who started the ISKCON, the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. Yes, our movement started 500 years ago uh, by Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Krishna, and this message was, uh, uh, this process of chanting Hare Krishna, this started uh, many, many years ago. But it was brought uh, to the West, especially the United States, in the 60s by Srila Prabhupada. And he has uh, started this congregational uh, uh, movement of chanting Hare Krishna together and individually. And for this purpose alone of chanting Hare Krishna, we've established temples in almost every major city across the city where we can collectively come and chant the names of God. And Across the city? You mean across, across the, the country? I'm sorry. Right. And um, it doesn't surprise me, I didn't know this for a fact, and I'm assuming you're saying it is a fact, that uh, Prabhupada's Gita is the most widely distributed in the yes. world right now? Yeah, we have our books, uh, ISKCON has uh, books translated in more than 183 languages, and um, we do, uh, there. we have standard courses in universities across the world where Srila Prabhupada's books are used as reference or major uh, or authorized textbooks uh, in, in many theology uh, courses, in many uh, courses, uh, Srila Prabhupada's uh, work has been recognized by even by academic scholars. Now, last week when we spoke to Srivas, he is a, a black African. Yes. Uh, a Ghanan. From or, Ghana. Yes. West well, Africa. Uh, 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 or is it Ghanaian? Either way. <laughs> He's from Ghana. <laughs> right. And you are an Indian. Right. You were raised a Hindu. Now, obviously, you both came to, to this through different strains. What's, what is the difference being a homegrown Hindu uh, in general, specifically then moving towards this, this particular strain? Mm-hmm. The dharma, yes, upbringing. Upbringing. Um, dharma. Dharma means uh, real religion, 
today someone is saying I am a Christian and then suppose someone comes and says okay I'm going to preach to you this and he's going to change to Muslim so now today he is Christian tomorrow he's Muslim tomorrow he's Hindu so Dharma means something that which does not change what does not change as spirit soul as const- we are all constitutionally part and parcel of Krishna that does not change so then if this Hindu Dharma, if this Christian Dharma, if this Muslim Dharma is changing, that means it is not real Dharma. Real Dharma means that which does not change. For example, the constitutional nature of water is it's wet. It does not change. Uh, constitutional of uh, nature of fire, it, it produces heat and light. If, you, if that changes, then that does not become fire. So real Dharma of the spirit soul of all the living entities is that they are part and parcel of Krishna, and then they have to re-establish that lost relationship and through the process of Krishna consciousness. So here, um, being born in India, I already have certain Agnata Sukruti or certain uh, pious merit that I've received uh, because of my upbringing with which I can easily understand this Krishna consciousness. Unlike Srivas, who was bo- born in Africa, uh, in Ghana, uh, he did not have that. But... Our process, as we recommend, anyone who chants Hare Krishna, for him, everything else is taken care of. Krishna promises in the Bhagavad Gita uh, that to those devotees who render service unto him, uh, he promises to preserve what they lack and give what they have. So this is very important. Uh, so if if we can take to this process of Krishna consciousness, then Krishna, he gives the uh, intelligence by which by with which the devotee can come to him. So, if you were going to get into a conversation with a couple of other people, one of them was, say, a Muslim, yes, and another one was a Hindu, okay, but not part of ISKCON, okay, you would you would deliver the same message. You would, uh, am I correct that uh, you would say that uh, the the this process, the uh, process of, of this uh, religion Krishna. process. Uh, religion was taught according to different time, place, and circumstance, uh, according to the level of consciousness of the different people. For example, when Prophet Muhammad came, he saw that the people who were living, uh, you know, around the area were like pretty much like barbarians. So he pre- he preached to them in a level that they could understand what he was teaching. For example, to that category of people, if you would go and speak something about Vedanta Sutra, about the knowledge of the Vedas, the principles of the Vedas, it might be very difficult for them to even comprehend what you're actually speaking. So religion is actually the great saints, like Prophet Muhammad, Jesus Christ, they've taught religion according to the level of the consciousness of the present people according to the time place and the circumstance prevailing within that scenario so religion uh, is it's not stereotyped like this is what it is and you do it and and you apply this and you get the result but it is you know it also has to be practiced it's it's something practical unless it is unless it can be practiced uh, it'll be something more like uh, a textbook course that we would have to just read and put it away. So this process, if if I would explain it to a Muslim, if he's res- he in Muslim, they also chant on tasbih, you know, the beads. They also chant the names of um, you know the Lord. They chant the names of Muhammad. So it's very important that you chant the names of God. 
And we recommend the chanting of Hare Krishna Mahamantra. It's chanted as Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This chanting of Hare Krishna, this process of mantra chanting is very important because uh, just like uh, if one wants, one has to understand um, you know, anything that is pristine, one cannot do so unless one's mind and consciousness is pure and clean. So this process of chanting the names of God, especially the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, is very important. It's one of the most sublime methods of naturally reviving our God consciousness. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Common Threads. I'm Fred Stella, and with me in the studio today is Narahari Devdas. He is a local uh, computer consultant, but he is also uh, the person spearheading the movement for the Hare Krishna sect, the uh, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and he's with us talking about this today. So, if you were speaking to a group of people from various faiths, say one was a Muslim, one was a Christian, would you explain that Krishna is simply another name for God? Is it the same? Is, is Krishna the same as Allah? Is Krishna the same as Jehovah or Yahweh? Or is Krishna different? Krishna, the name, if God has to be given any name, actually God, he has no name, but he's given a name according to his qualities. For example, Krishna means all-attractive. So if God has to be given any name, it has to be Krishna because he's all-attractive. For example, uh, we see, say, a very rich man. He's very, he, people are very much attracted to him because he has a lot of money and maybe he has a lot of power. Or maybe we see, you know, maybe the president of a country, people are very much attracted because he's very powerful. He can do, uh, you know, so many things if, you know, he favors a particular person. So everyone is attracted to some kind of opulence which is possessed in certain, uh, a certain trait which is possessed in a person. But God, He has all these opulences, all these traits, incomplete and full. So we should, uh, so if, and that what makes Him all attractive. So Krishna means all attractive, just like, you know, in, we can, you know, refer to water uh, in different ways in different languages so in sanskrit uh, krishna means all attractive so that's uh, that's the name we give to god and again if you were talking to a group of people of, uh, of various faiths you may try to encourage them to study in in your tradition um but if they choose not to is, is the end result disfavor with God? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Krishna answers that in the Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna asks the same question. What about a person who's an aspiring spiritualist who has started this uh, you know, process but has unable to finish it? Then Krishna explains that he is favored in the next life, that in the next life he's given the chance to be born uh, in a pious family where he can continue his process or... He's born in a very aristocratic family so that he doesn't have to bother about, you know, meeting with the de daily necessities of life and he can focus his life on higher spiritual subjects. So this answer was asked 5,000 years ago by Arjuna and Krishna also answered it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about what you're doing in your home. You're inviting people uh, in your home, to your home, which is on the west side. We'll talk a little bit about the specifics sure. later on. 
Uh, somebody comes around five o'clock on a on a Sunday evening. What are they going to experience? Uh, uh, this uh, we are here in Grand Rapids uh, to facilitate this Krishna conscious movement. Uh, what we are doing is we are giving an experience to people. Uh, first, we start out with devotional songs or you know uh, spiritual uh, music. We see uh, it's not something uh, you know an, something foreign. Like even if any normal person here would go to a regular church, they would have carols and they would have uh, all this music where they glorify God and His devotees. Uh, so this is what we do. Um, we have that for about forty-five minutes to one hour, where we glorify God and his devotees. And then once that is done, then we have a discourse on the Bhagavad Gita. This Bhagavad Gita is like the Bible of India, where uh, we have uh, information about um, this actual uh, theology, these questions which Arjuna put to Krishna during the battlefield. Uh, and we see that Bhagavad Gita, which was spoken 5,000 years ago, is still being widely read. For example, we don't have any books that are widely being read, um, which were maybe the number one New York Times bestseller in the 30s or 40s. But still we see Bhagavad Gita, which was 5,000 years old, is still being widely read in almost many, many, many uh, households, even today. You wouldn't have all those number one Times uh, or bestsellers in all the houses, but you would still at least have a Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, you know that it's becoming popular when you see it next to the Gideon's Bible in hotel rooms in, in certain cities. Right. So, yes, this, uh, this is... Uh, the reason why it is uh, uh, popular is the message of the Bhagavad Gita, which was spoken 5,000 years ago, is still as applicable as it is today. And people who wish to take the wisdom this ancient wisdom and apply it in their practical lives every day can take advantage. And we are here in Grand Rapids to facilitate this cause. Now, you, you refer to uh, the Bhagavad Gita as uh, the Bible of India, and I've heard that from, from other people as well. However, there are a number of different scriptures uh, that come from the Vedic tradition. I'm just curious, yes. for instance, uh, on your Sunday evening programs, why the Bhagavad Gita and not say one of one of the Vedas mm -hmm. or one of the other Shastras? Yes, Krishna explains that even in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, in the fifteenth chapter, verse fifteen, he says that he is the goal and the means of the Vedas. He says, "Vedas cha sarvair aham eva vedyo, Vedantakrit veda vid eva chaham." He says. Uh, I am uh, the goal of the Vedas, I am the means of the Vedas, and I am the end result of the Vedas. But he says that uh, to understand the Vedas, um, it's like an indirect approach. Like, for example, if you want to, say, climb, um, you know, 100 floors, uh, you would have the, you know, high-speed elevator, and you would have also maybe the stairs. So uh, Krishna, he's explaining this information in a sense. The, the Bhagavad Gita is also sometimes referred to as the cream of all Vedic essences. So it's like if you want to know the essence, the act, actual uh, message, instead of you know, trying to go through uh, you know, different routes, um, if you want to take the direct route, then you would listen to Krishna, the father of the Vedas. 
So, Narhari, Dave Das, we're coming down to the end of the program. So, what information would you like to give people who who may be interested in in coming to your program? Do you want to give uh, what email, phone number, address, whatever you want? Yes, uh, we have this regular program every Sunday. Uh, starts at 5 p.m., goes on until 8 p.m., and um, uh, you can reach us at our center's number. It's 791-8050, 791-8050. And uh, we have, um, you know, uh, topics uh, of discussion based on the Bhagavad Gita, and they're quite variegated. So we would uh, uh, request all people who are looking there uh, for some kind of uh, spiritual perspective uh, to see what really, uh, the and or people who would like to learn more about the Bhagavad Gita, we would encourage you to come and visit us in our center. And, and how about a, a website, if not one specifically for Grand Rapids, a, a general website for ISKCON? Uh, there is Krishna.com. Okay. Um, Krishna.com, you can also get information about, uh, you know, the society in general, uh, not just in uh, Grand Rapids, but, you know, the whole world. Right. Um, That's dot .com, not dot .org? It's dot .com, okay. krishna.com. We also have iskan.org, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, that's basically uh, information on iskan.org is static. Uh, it would just tell you about temple listings. I see. Uh, krishna.com has more information about what's happening in the society, okay. preaching information. and. All right. Well, Narhari Dave Das, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today on Common Threads. And the best of luck in your ventures here in Grand Rapids. I hope you see a few more sunny days. Thank you. I'm Fred Stella. You've been listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. Please join us again next week. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening, and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. Common Threads.